0: Well, good morning. We are continuing in our Philippians series this week. We're going to dive into Philippians 3 this morning. In Philippians 3, Paul kind of gives us a contrast between his old life and his new life. So before we get into it, Paul kind of like divulges a lot of personal things. So if we were like dating Paul, this would be like a third date Paul, not like first date Paul. And so I think it's important to dive in into a little bit more of his history. Um, so in Acts, we can learn more about where Paul comes from, um, from some of his stories. So I'm going to just... Preface, at, preface Acts 9 before we dive into the text today. Um, so we can learn a little bit more about Paul and what he's actually talking about in the book of Philippians. Um, so in Acts 9, uh, we, we meet Paul. Uh, for, this isn't the first time we've met him, uh, but Paul just got approval from the high priests. He is going to go to Damascus, and he's going to persecute people following the way, uh, which is people who are following Jesus, because Jesus is showing us a new way to live. And so he's gotten permission to to go there, take people following the way, and bring them back into Jerusalem, uh, to throw them back into jail, because um, that's been the aim of his life as a Pharisee. Uh, they don't want people following the way, because it's against what they believed was the Jewish custom, right? And so what, what happens on the way to Damascus is that Paul has a life-changing encounter with Jesus. As he's leaving with his traveling buddies... A flash from heaven comes and puts him on his knees. Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And then he responds, who are you, Lord? Paul has a life transformational experience when he encounters the real living Jesus. So then he travels with his three bodies back to Damascus and he's blinded. And so as he was going to persecute Christians, now he is going to seek help because Jesus says, go to Damascus and I'll give you instructions when you get there. So then he has to go and rely on the disciples in Damascus to figure out what do I do next? So as he spends time with these disciples, he realizes that Jesus, right, is for him. So then he changes his life around, completely alters his values, the aim of his life, and he's learning to live a new way. And so this is where we kind of pick up in Philippians. We see Paul evaluating his old life and his new life. Because I think my, my big theme today, the big thing that I want you to take away from today is we are called to have a real intimate relationship with the living God. We are called to have a real intimate relationship with the living God. Just as Paul encountered Jesus for that first time, he realized that what he was doing wasn't what God wanted him to That Jesus is somebody we can meet, we can have a relationship with, and is going to change the aim of our life. So that's my big thought today. So let's go ahead and dive into Philippians 3. I'm going to read through verses 1 through 11, and then I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit. So verses 1 through 11. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for such confidence. If someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whoever or whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ." What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul lays out this beautiful understanding of life before Christ and life after Christ. And I think there's a lot that we can gain in wisdom as we begin to study what Paul is encouraging us and how he's encouraging us to live. But, but before we get there, right, Philippians 3 opens up the first couple verses. There's some warning uh, that I think we need to pay attention to to kind of set up the rest of this letter. He says further... My brothers and sisters, rejoice. So what I want to do, I'm going to give you three just quick thoughts, three quick nuggets that I think are helpful for understanding this letter, letter. And no matter where you're at in your faith journey, like these things are helpful. So the first thing, as Paul says, furthermore, I say rejoice. He says rejoice. And this has been a constant theme for Paul in all of his letters. He says Rejoice. No matter if Paul is in jail, if he's in chains, or if he's with his disciples, he consistently shows us what it looks like to rejoice. And I think this is an attitude that we need to incorporate in our own faith journey. No matter matter where we're at, no matter what you walked in here with today, no matter what your week has looked like, Paul tells us to rejoice. Maybe Sunday night, you had four kids throwing up after the Super Bowl. I say it again, rejoice. (laughs) Maybe you got into a a menial argument with your spouse this week and it set you back a day to not talk to each other. I I say it again, rejoice. Maybe you're bringing stress home from work that affects the, the relationships of people you love. How can we reposition our posture to be in a place to rejoice? Maybe you're celebrating the birth of your first grandchild this week. Maybe you moved into a new house this week. I say it again, rejoice. No matter what circumstance Paul finds himself in, he's, found, he's finding a posture to rejoice. And then after that, Paul says, Paul says this, and I think it's beautiful. He says, it is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. So some scholars think, think that he's referencing the, the, the phrase rejoice, you know, because he said that in Philippians 2, Philippians 1. It's been a constant theme. Some people think it's about what he's about to tell us. But what, I, what I've learned is that it's okay to repeat because repetition is our friend. Repetition is our friend. Even as we're reading through scripture, when things repeat themselves, it says you need to pay attention to this. So maybe as you're studying scripture, as you're doing life, if God is consistently putting the same thing in front of you, maybe it's something that we need to pay attention to because repetition is our friend. And my hope is that as you come on a Sunday, and as you might think you hear similar themes throughout a Sunday service, it's never a point that says, oh, I've already heard that. We take the posture by saying, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? Because it takes real humility to walk through repetition. And the last little quick nugget that I think Paul's opening up with he says, I'm saying this to you as a safeguard to you. Because I think there's things in life that we need to regard. There's things in life that we need to regard, but can you be aware of them? What are your safeguards that you have put in place in your life? What are those safeguards? Do you have specific boundaries around your time and your money and your friends to make sure you can be aware of things that set you into a place where God doesn't want you to go? What are those safeguards that you have in your life? I think community can be a huge part of that. Do you have people in your life that are willing to tell you the hard things? And are you brave enough to listen as well? Do you have friends that can say hard things to you? to be able to listen. I think those become safeguards in our life because I think that's what Paul's doing. He's setting us up by saying, I'm about to say some hard things. So I hope that you can hear me as I say these things. So have regard to what Paul is about to say. And then this is where we dive in to the rest of Philippians 3. So he kind of gives us this stark contrast. this like uh, this example of what he lived like before Christ and an example after Christ. Uh, he encountered Christ. So I'm going to just break down that first section. So Philippians 3, verses 4 through 7. So you hear these words. Though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul lays out all of his accolades, all, the, all of the things that he had accomplished, all of the things that he should be able to hold on to that says, I should have confidence in the things that I have done. Look at all of these things. All right, so let's break some of those down. So, if, if you've been reading through the Lent guide with us, as, as you read through the book of Luke, you realize the importance of being circumcised on the seventh day or on the eighth day. All right, so, so John and Jesus were both circumcised on the eighth day. Like, it is a significant importance to the Jewish tradition. You, you look at Paul's lineage, where he comes from, that is something that should give him uh, a spiritual weight. You look at a Pharisee of Pharisees. He he's studying underneath the people. He knew the law to a T. He knew what he was supposed to do. And for passion, Paul had passion. So much passion that he was persecuting Christians. So as you look at the things that he was building his life on, he had it all in place. But then Paul says this. He says this in verse 3. He says, But I put no confidence in the flesh but I put no confidence in the flesh. And I think that's the first thing we need to look at when we see, look at this part of the Philippians, is Paul had no confidence in the flesh. It's not about the things that we do, the things that we accomplish, that are gonna get us into better graces with God. It's not about those things. And Paul goes to the extent to say, these things were garbage. These things weren't even worth it. Because on the backside of it, Paul's giving you a, a huge chunk of his story. He says, I've been there. I've accomplished all the things that I thought were going to make my life better. says, and it wasn't worth it. it. Didn't make my life better. There was still something more that I wanted. And my hope, as we hear these things, it made me think of Jeremiah. The Lord says something in the book of Jeremiah that I think really helps us understand what our pillars are in our life. So hear these words out of Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah 9, 23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. The day is coming, declares the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised only in the flesh. As you see those first three things, those are those are, are things that it's easy to build our identity on. Now, as Aaron opened up the entire Philippians series, he had identified three uh, sources of identity, three cultural sources of identity. And I think they ring so true with this verse in Jeremiah. The three things that Aaron had talked about, he said, we like to build our identity on our reputation, our occupation, or our accumulation. And do you see how much that ties with the book of Jeremiah? Right? Jeremiah says, do not boast about our wisdom, our strength, or our riches. Why is it so easy to build our identity on these things? Because they're, they're tangible things that we can try to accomplish. And Paul, Jeremiah, God keeps saying, do not build your life upon these things. So then I have to sit back and I say, how? how can I begin to recognize these things? How do I begin to not build my identity on these things? So I want to give you a few questions just to sit and reflect. Maybe the Spirit's moving in you and already calling out some of those things in your life. So an easy way just to sit back and reflect is, what are we spending our time on? Are we spending our time rightly? Are we looking forward to being in the Word each day, to being in prayer are we scurrying about, trying to, to, to make ends meet, just to, to be consumed with work, our occupation, trying to continue to climb that corporate ladder? What are the things that we're spending our money on? Are we being stingy? Or are we learning how to be generous with the things that God has given us? Do we have right perspective of those things? Can we beware of our blind spots? I think I think blind spots is a funny conversation, because essentially a blind spot is a spot that I literally can't see myself. So to evaluate blind spots, we need to have people who can see behind us. So it's calling us into that Christian community, having people that we can trust to help us do an honest evaluation of our own lives. My mentor encouraged me to ask this question, and I want to give it to you. Um, but it's not an easy question to ask but he, he he encourages me to ask my community what is it like to be on the other side of me what is it like to be on the other side of me now i hope that you have the courage to ask but more so the humility to listen because that is not an easy question to ask because you have to be in a place where you can receive what your trusted community is going to tell you and then hopefully make the changes along the way to continue to live in a way of what God is calling us to live. So that's my hope as we begin to look at what Paul is saying, have no confidence in the flesh that we can do an honest evaluation of those things that we've built up in our own life. Because then what he does next is Paul begins to transition to what life looks like after Christ, after he encounters Christ. Christ. Right? What does life look like after he encounters Christ? Because as we looked in Acts 9, Paul had a face-to-face interaction with Jesus that just changed his life. It dramatically changed his life. It flipped his life upside down. The, the irony from going to Damascus to be able to persecute Christians and then going there to help to rely on them, like his life just flipped upside down. He stayed there for three days, learning from Jesus' disciples, growing in strength, and then began proclaiming the good news. And everybody was like, hold on, this was the guy who was coming to persecute us, but now he's telling us about Jesus? Right? His, his world was flipped upside down. And I think it's because he had a fresh encounter with the living God. And Paul begins to show us what it looks like to fully commit and go all in. Paul shows us what it looks like to fully commit and go on. And we're going to see that in the next verses in Philippians. So I'm going to read through Philippians 3, verses 8 through 11. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so, somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. I think Paul shows us what it looks like to commit and to go all in. And I want to change our narrative. Sometimes as, as I think about committing and go all in, that means like doing more and busying myself and trying to be consumed with more things. But Paul is showing us a different way. He says, stop worrying about comparing yourself to other people. Stop trying to compete with people to do more things. He's coming down. And I think verses 10, we'll talk about this in a second, but verses 10 is like the crux. Is what does it mean to know Christ and allow that to be the aim of our life? And as Paul's diving this, diving in, he, he gives us this beautiful example of what it looks like to live a life with Christ. He says, I want I, I my hope is that I may gain Christ and be found in him. My hope is that I might gain Christ and be found in him. So what like what does that actually mean? I think what Paul is trying to say is, I want Christ to be so, like, I want to be absorbed into Christ. I want him to be so much a part of me that the way that I act mirrors the way that he acts. The way that he loves is how I love. The way that he listens is how I listen. That I may have his peace, peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness. And what I see Paul saying is not that we're trying to love better, but it's because I'm so rooted to Jesus that he is connected to the vine that those fruits continue to grow. So we're not worried about the fruit growing, but we're worried about our connection to the vine. We're worried about being so connected with Christ that fruit is going to continue to multiply. He's saying that's what it looks like to be absorbed, to be able to be found in Christ. Because then I think he says, and the, the crux of this is verse 10. He says, because I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And I think this moves from just a merely academic experience of just knowing facts about Jesus to a relational experience, a relational exchange. That Christ is somebody that we can learn, that we can have conversations, we can pray to, that we can be in relationship with. I think that's what Paul is calling us into, to know Christ. Because when we begin to know somebody, we begin to grow in intimacy. We begin to understand more of who he is. So what does it mean to know someone fully? What does it mean to be able to grow in that intimacy with somebody else? I think we begin to reflect Jesus in our own life. When I was earlier in my faith journey this was something that was really hard for me to understand. Because what I was trying to do was mimic what I saw other Christian leaders around me do. So I was trying to do all the things that they did. They were joining prayer teams, so I joined a prayer team. They were in small groups, so I joined four small groups. They were a part of all the things, so I kept trying to do those things. But I realized the thing that I wasn't doing was my own personal relationship with Jesus. I was trying to climb the spiritual ladder to get closer and closer by doing all these things without accepting that gift of grace that God had had given me. I was carrying around all this garbage with me. But sometimes we gotta let go of the garbage to receive the gift. And that's what God is calling us into. So what does it mean to know Christ? I think simply this, We must be able to accept Jesus as our Lord. To accept Jesus as our Lord. And what does that mean? We allow him to be Lord of our life, not the things that we've built our identity on. We allow him to be sovereign in our life. So we accept Jesus as our Savior. We recognize maybe there's something in our life that we've put misplaced trust and confidence in that we need to knock down a little bit and allow Jesus to be that then we need to believe in Jesus. We need to recognize that he is who he says he is, that he wants a relationship with us. Not being skeptical and critical when we're reading through scripture and saying, how did he walk on the water? Did he really do that or was it just really shallow? We believe that he is who he says he is. And that's gonna lead us to a place of confession, to be able to confess our sins before God. Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short to the glory of God. And this leads us to our knees as Paul, as he encountered the living God, fell to his knees and he said, God, who are you, Lord? There's a moment of confession to be able to pronounce the name of Jesus that God is calling us to. Now, if you're here for our Ash Wednesday service, it was a beautiful moment of just corporate confession that we were able to be a part of. And I think that is a continual practice that we can do in our own life. And so what does it mean to know Christ? It means to continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus, not as just factual, but as relational. Now today, if you've you've never given your life to Christ, today is just, it's such a great day to do that. Seeing how Paul's life completely transformed, he offers us that same gift. And maybe you've been walking in your faith journey for a while. So what I want to do is leave us, leave us with two reflection questions on things to evaluate our own life, to make sure that we are aligning ourselves in the way that Paul is calling us to. So, so think about these two. These are on the bottom of your note guide. Where have I misplaced my confidence? Where have you misplaced your confidence? As we, we look through that first section of all of Paul's accolades, the things that he's accomplished Maybe the spirit is telling you there's something that's out of line that maybe we need to adjust. Or maybe we need to take a deeper look at. And then how can I pursue a real relationship with the living God? How can I pursue a real relationship with the living God? This means that it's reciprocal, right? This means that we can spend time reading and praying and listening for what God has for us because God is living. He is is here, he's trying to tell us something, right? His spirit moves amongst us. So how can I continue to pursue a real relationship with the living God? So what I wanna do is I'm gonna pray for us and the worship band is gonna close us out today. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to hear from your word. I pray above everything, God, that your your word is clear and crisp. I, I trust that your spirit is here and moving. Your, your spirit is showing us things. So I pray that we don't leave here with just, with just hearing your word, but we can heed your word as we go. That we can, we can trust in your transformational power, that you can do crazy, dramatic things in our life, just like with Paul. I I pray that you give us the humility to listen for what you're trying to tell us and then to respond as we leave. So God, we're so thankful for who you are and the examples that you set before us, God. And I pray that you give us the courage uh, to keep pressing in as we go. So God, I thank you for all this in your name. Amen.